0: Every tree is full of acorns, making thousands of them every year. Forests are full of trees that came from similar, tiny acorns. Each one is making its way somehow from the branches of the tree to the ground somewhere, somehow. Gravity has a lot to do with that. Some hit the ground in a great spot. They sprout and they grow into a massive tree, kind of like the one they came from. Others land in a spot where the soil's not very good. There's not enough water. Maybe there's too much shade. Or, for any of just a lot of reasons, the the tree fails to thrive. They sprouted and they grew and maybe even produced a handful of acorns themselves. But they're a far cry from the big tree that gave them a start. Well, why are we talking about trees today? Because, like, Every tree produces seeds that are needed to produce more trees and eventually a forest. Every church is designed by God to produce disciple makers. And every disciple maker has the DNA to produce another tree, another church. (laughs) But they don't. Welcome to Run With Horses. My name is Norman and my goal is to help you thrive as a disciple of Jesus. And today, we want to check your DNA. You know the the church is to be an acorn producing machine or disciple making <laughs> machine if you prefer. If it's not, then there's something wrong. Disciple makers, not just disciples, disciple makers are the fruit of a healthy church and the seed of new healthy churches. It's in their DNA. It is how we are made. It's how we're formed. That means that you're a church planting nut, right? Well, that that should be. But some of us maybe are not quite as nutty as we should be. What if we're not? What if we refuse to take that DNA and put it to work? What if we refuse to go into the ground? What if we refuse to do what we were created to do? What if we refuse to to be disciple-makers. Well, one result of that is that churches die. They're not what they're supposed to be. They're not healthy. They decrease in the number of churches and in the health. And you see this across the country around the world. There are churches that are not really engaged in gospel ministry anymore. The disciples in the church, the disciple-makers in the church... Of no, longer, no longer living out their DNA. They're not what they were created to be. They're not building and contributing to new trees being formed. Well, new churches aren't started. In the long run, the church dies if the seeds don't hit the ground, put out those roots, sprout, and become new trees that are, again, reproducing this Process every tree has kind of a deadline. There's a limit to how long a tree can live, or any plant. You know, I think every church has that too, and that's not a bad thing. That's not to scare you and say, "Oh no, my church is going to die." It should eventually. The church has to die and give way to the next generation, the next tree. Now, in a tree, in a plant, there are plants that live live and die in a this a year. There are trees that lived for uh, lived for hundreds of years. And there are churches, again, that they sprout and die in a year. But they're intended to be like the trees and go on for generations. So if you understand that this is what we're supposed to be, I'm supposed to be a seed that plants itself, that grows, becomes another t- tree... Well, what does that look like for a disciple-maker? I'm a disciple. I'm supposed to be making other disciples. And ultimately, there should be churches where we're making disciples. So what do I do? How do I do that? And that's part of the question that every disciple-maker is asking and needs to be asking. What does it look like for me to live out my DNA? I'm a disciple-maker. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm part of this process that uh, is God building His church. So what do I do? Well, in broad, big strokes, you have to grow where you're planted. You know, just like that seed that falls off the, the oak tree. There's an acorn that falls off. Well, every acorn, no acorn, really gets to choose where it lands. Some of them land in really great soil. Some of them land in poor soil. But the drive, the DNA of that acorn is to find a place to land a place and to have the right moisture and to put down roots and try to find soil that it can anchor itself with. And every seed will do this. It wants to be in that location where it can grow. And they will grow even if they're in a less than ideal location. You know, it's interesting. I've spent the last 20 years in Japan and one of the places that Uh, We've lived, there are a lot of older houses where no one has lived there for years, and there's a lot of bamboo, and the bamboo is not growing from seeds, it's growing from the roots, but they'll put up these uh, shoots every once in a while, and sometimes they come up under a house, and they'll go through the floor, through the roof, and this house that has been abandoned, nobody recognizes it until the roof starts to, to come off because the bamboo are coming through it. Okay, now that didn't come from a seed. A seed's not gonna fall on the roof and somehow slide around and get underneath of that house. But what they do is they they do fall in cracks in the sidewalk. They fall in little places where maybe there's a gutter. They're, actually our house had this. We had a gutter in the back of the house, and I didn't recognize that leaves and things had piled up in there. and a seed had gotten in there. and now this tree was trying to grow. In the gutter of our house. Now, okay, that's not going to work, right? We all can see how as that tree grows, it's going to be too heavy for that gutter. It's not going to be enough soil. It's going to tip that gutter off and the whole thing will fall. And maybe it will root in the ground then and do fine. But it certainly can't grow where it is now. But it was trying to. It was attempting to grow where it found found itself. And that's really how all of us should look at our life. I need to grow where I find myself. I, I don't get to choose where that is. Now, the awesome thing is, is that unlike a, just a forest where the seeds fall, often gravity puts them in a certain place and that's where they try to grow. Sometimes birds or other animals are part of that process and they transport seeds around the forest to other locations. In the Christian life, one thing that's helpful for us to understand is God doesn't work that way. It's much closer to that tended garden. God puts us in a specific place for a specific reason. And that's not always so that every seed grows up to be this massive tree. Some of us are planted in places where it's going to be difficult. The soil is not good. But one of the awesome things about the way that the forest works, about the way that these trees work, when there's not good soil... Trees will begin to grow. Plants will begin to grow. And over time, as the trees dig their roots into the soil, they loosen it up some. As their leaves fall, you have a layer of debris that begins to collect. And you have all this organic matter that collects on the on the ground. And what happens? Take that over a long period of time, over tens and hundreds of years. You have a change in the composition of the soil. So soil that was once maybe rocky, maybe sandy, maybe uh, too much clay, and it wasn't really good soil, over time, it improves. Now, we're talking about a long time and a lot of investment in those roots and in those uh, leaves and the dead trees that fall and all the things that go along with that as animals come into the forest and they die and their bodies are added to that. But the soil changes. They have to grow where they are. And sometimes I I kind of wonder if God doesn't plant some of us as seeds in difficult places because he wants to change the composition of the soil. We're growing in a hard place and God planted us there. He didn't plant us in perfect soil where certainly we could grow bigger, better, have a lot more fruit. But God planted us in difficult soil. I think that's for a reason. Now, as a missionary who's been in Japan for a long time, maybe that's just because I've been in a difficult field and I want to see some meaning there. But I I really think it's true. I think God does plant us in difficult places because God wants to reach people in difficult places. Every soil, every people group, every community is not equally fertile, but if you find yourself there and you are a follower of Jesus and you're intending to be a disciple maker, that's your soil. That's what you have. You can't compare your life and your surroundings and the fruit in your life with someone else. You're in different soil. You still have the same responsibility to be faithful, uh, to be a witness, to be Seeking and pursuing God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But God takes care of the increase. You know, God God wants us to grow where we are. And part of that growth, ultimately, is to plant ourselves and to plant new seeds. And where seeds are planted, seeds sprout. Quite a few of them sprout. Seedlings come up. Eventually, young trees grow. And eventually, fruit bearing trees grow and even longer a forest appears well that's what god's trying to do in our life it's it can be quite taxing for us because we see maybe only the early stages you may be in a place where it, it seems like the gospel's never going forward these people are so resistant no one will listen you can only do your part you can only be faithful you have to grow first well how do you do that well Always, 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 we are ourselves pursuing Jesus and inviting others to go with us. Learning and growing and and understanding what it means to be obedient in our own life and inviting others to go with us. It's really about understanding where I am and embracing the challenge of being a follower of Jesus in this environment. Every seed that falls off a tree falls in a different environment. And it doesn't get to choose what that looks like. It doesn't get to choose the amount of sun that it's going to receive, the amount of rain that's going to be there. That's already determined. It doesn't get to choose those things. We don't get to choose the receptivity of the people around us, their uh, economic situation. There's so many things that we don't get to choose. What we get to choose is whether we embrace the challenge of following Jesus in this community. It's not usually easy. And to be fair, Jesus never said that it would be. He actually tells us that it will be difficult, that it will be hard. You know, I've said it before, that whole deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. No one interpreted that when he said it as, oh, wow, this is going to be like a walk in a park. (laughs) We should just carry our, carry our lunch and we're going to go and sing and, and have a good time. They didn't understand it that way. It was not meant that way. He meant what he said. It's it's going to be a challenge. It's going to require sacrifice on your part to be salt and light where you are. Jesus did indicate very clearly, though, that it glorifies God when we do that. Part of this whole process of recognizing that we're in this soil and we have a purpose and God's doing something and it's bigger than us is learning to see the world through the eyes of Jesus. Now, my problem is I see the world through my eyes, and my vision's not that good, and my spiritual growth is not what it should be, and, and my spiritual eyes are, are kind of dim, but I, I've got to learn to see the world as Jesus does. He tells us people are lost. People are hurting. People are, are looking for something to make this life worth living. They, people are asking questions like, why am I here? People want hope. They want to think that that all of this that we go through every day means something. It's helpful to me, and it's helpful to you if we can see the world with the compassionate eyes of Jesus, as he looked at the crowds and felt that compassion and recognized their lostness. He recognized their wandering. They don't have a shepherd. They're in need. And the hope that the world needs is only found in Jesus. Well, God offers all of that hope, all of that, uh, the needs that that we recognize and the things that we seek after and the, the pain that we feel. God has answers and solutions. And he asks us to seek him. And he asks, he asks me and he asks you to see the world as he does, to see that That solution is only going to be found in Jesus. That compassion should lead us to comfort people. That compassion should lead us to see that their needs are real. They need us to love them, to welcome them, and ultimately to see Jesus change them. It's important that we get to know our community. We need to know the people who are going through this community and barely surviving in it. Even, and I'm not talking about wealth, I'm not talking about health, I am talking about certainly those things too, but spiritually many people, regardless of their economic situation, are struggling and dying in their community. They may have plenty of money, they may have plenty of food, but they're dead inside. They also maybe don't have plenty of food and don't have a place to live and are are, uh, living on the street. But they also have that spiritual problem. And we want to recognize that I need to know my community. I need to understand when Jesus looks at them, he cares for them. I need to be a friend to the friendless. I need to be a help to those in need. And I need to share the hope that I have through my life through my relationships, and I need to make it very clear in my words. It's not sufficient to give someone a sandwich when they're hungry and not give them the word of life that changes their eternity. You know, we we need to be acorns. (laughs) We don't need to be trying to control the place that we're planted And often that's a lot of what we want to do with our life. We want to change our location. We want to be in a different place. And we spend a lot of effort complaining about or whining about or trying to change this spot. I don't want to be here. I want to be somewhere else. I would do so much better if I were in a better environment, which might be true. Absolutely. That's probably true for a lot of us. A lot of us, if I was in a better environment, I'm sure that I would spiritually do better. But I'm here, and I'm not just here, I'm here now. And I'm here now with the people around me who God has given. So how do I be the best me that I can be in this environment? How do I plant my roots in this environment and grow to be a fruitful tree here? You know, some soil is hard. Some communities are hard. Some relationships are hard. One way that the soil is softened is by roots going into it. We mentioned that. How do you soften spiritually hard soil? Well, I think we need to dig our roots deep into God's Word. We need to understand who He is and what He has said and why He has said what He has said. And as we dig our roots into His Word, one thing we tap into is the life-giving water of the Spirit, which softens up soil. And often the soil that, that needs to be changed first and foremost is the soil of our hearts. We're not receptive to what God's doing in our life, so why would we expect anyone else to be receptive to what God is doing? I have to dig my roots deep into His Word I have to daily ask God through the the Holy Spirit to change me, to grow me, to help me to see Him as He is, to love Him more, uh, to pursue Him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as I do that, then I'm able to dig my roots also into the soil of the world around me and make connections that, that change lives. You know, God is able to grow fruit on trees that are in less than ideal situations. God is able to grow fruit on trees that are in places where you would say, "Ah, no way, that, that tree will never bear fruit. God is able to do miracles. And often we're afraid to trust Him, to follow Him, to release control. We want change outside. We want other things externally to change. And we're not willing to say, God, I'm willing to dig in here and be the tree here that you want me to be. I want to be uh, the church here. and, And I want to produce acorns here that will change this hard soil into a fertile forest That is life-giving, not just for itself, but for all of the birds, all of the animals, all of the people that come through. Well, I think that's what the life of a disciple-maker is. Each one of us is an acorn. You have the DNA of the church. If you are a genuine disciple of Jesus and you have God's Word and you're digging into it and you have the Holy Spirit, you have the DNA of the church, you have in God's Word the information that guides the church, that directs the church through the Holy Spirit. You have the power that empowers the church to be the church, that unites people into this family of God. As a disciple-maker, you have that DNA. And often, you know, it's, it's a challenge for us. We think, well, for a, a new church to begin, we need so much You know, we're so slow to reach into new communities, to reach into new uh, ethnic groups, to reach across town, to reach across the, the street. We're so slow because we think, well, it takes so much time. It takes so much preparation. It takes so much effort. It takes so much money. But all it takes is God and one person who will completely trust him and allow God to use them. You have the DNA of the church. We should embrace that and be part of the church growing in every part of our community. You know, you want to pray for your church family that it would be a a tree full of acorns sprouting across your community. You know, I, I know we think primarily of the church on Sunday getting together. That's just our default. I understand in Western cultures particularly, that's our default. But what we want to see is these seeds that go throughout the community and see the body of Christ in the office, in the school, uh, in the park. The body of Christ being the body of Christ. The DNA of the church being planted in every part of our community. It's not easy for us. Partly because of our tradition, probably because of our fear, we have this tremendous fear of man that keeps us from wanting to embrace change or wanting to embrace anything that might draw attention to ourselves or wanting really to put ourselves out there in a way that might put us at risk. You know, what might it cost me if I genuinely committed to follow God, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus with everything that I am? What might it cost me? And it's a good question because, like we already said, it it probably will cost you something. It certainly cost his disciples. It certainly cost the early church. I don't see any indication that Jesus makes you a promise that, hey, if you follow me, it, it won't cost you. It'll be easy. What you do see is that it will be worth it. He promises you that Only in Him can you really find peace. And so many people are looking for peace. Now, we mentioned hope and meaning, and those are huge. But there are a significant percentage of the population that just wants some peace. There's so much stress in their life. There's so much uh, disquiet, and, and there's such a lack of unity. And there's this vicious cycle of generational anger and and community conflict that what they really want is peace. It doesn't come outside of Jesus. It, it doesn't matter what you do. Part of the sin nature is this conflict that comes with it. You want the peace? Well, I want the peace that passes understanding. That means the peace that doesn't make sense. It's the peace that is unrelated to your circumstance. Now, you could have a, a great circumstance, and I've, I've known people that were they were wealthy, they had plenty of money, roof over their head, married, had kids. From a human standpoint, you look at this person and go, they've got it made. But what they didn't have were some of these more important things, hope, peace, they didn't have a connection with other people often. This is one of the things that's really concerning to me as I look at the world, particularly in the United States. So I think it's it's true around the world. It's definitely true in Japan. We have more disconnection today than uh, maybe when I was a kid, and, and it sounds like it's getting worse. Maybe there were times in the past that were worse, but I, I'm not aware of them and it certainly seems odd because of all the the ways that we can connect with people. You know, at any given moment in the United States today, the majority of people can pick up a phone and call somebody, and you literally have this portable device where you can call somebody and hear their voice or you can see their face or you can send them a message, a written message. And think about What an amazing blessing that is and how that is so different than in the past where, you know, you wanted to write a letter to someone, well, it's got to write it out. You got to have a pencil or paper. You're going to have to put it in an envelope. You're going to have to mail that. Go back even further. You're going to have to put it on a boat or put it on a horse and send it. And it's going to be, what, weeks before you get a response? Weeks before maybe even they read it? We have such a tremendous opportunity today to connect with people And yet, we're more disconnected than ever before. Why is that? (laughs) Well, I think part of it, we struggle with connection with God. And all relationships really are based on this relationship with God. So even as we think about the seeds and the work of the church and the DNA of the church, part of the DNA of a disciple maker is a DNA that connects. And it doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert, the DNA that we have as the church connects us. It should drive us to want to connect with other people, to want to relate to them well. Our God is a big God. He's not limited by our physical weaknesses, our human um, distractions. Everyone in the church is carrying the DNA of the church and has the potential to change every person in their path. You may be a small seed, but dream big and trust God to be bigger. We may be disconnected; be the connector. It's not a phone, it's not an email or a text. You can be the connector in the people in your life, particularly connecting them with God, but then ultimately with each other in the church. Thanks for joining me today. We serve a big God. Trust Him to use you to do the work in your life to make you more like Jesus, but also to use you to do the work in others. You may be a small seed in a a large field, but God is more than able to use you to build his church. Commit to growing and never stop running after Jesus. Have a great day.